It's not a product, it's a technology. It's an education challenge. A regenerative suspension? There will be a growing demand for industrial photovoltaics. Innovation in the financing space. The high-speed train is in all our interests. All political lines. Australia is a solar paradise. The market is moving much faster than that. You've got something that's transformational. Solar window in a can. Beyond Zero. Global warming science, solutions and action. Taking it to a do-it-yourself level. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Beyond Zero show. We're coming to you from the studios of 3CR Melbourne, syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast on the internet at bze.org.au and 3cr.org.au. And don't forget our Twitter hashtag, at bzetechshow. My name's Michael Steindl and I'm joined by my co-host, Kay Winningall. How are you, Kay? Hi, Mike. And we've also got in the background Laura, who's doing our last, her last day. She works full-time and has gone back to do another degree so we lose her after today, but we're so full today, we haven't even got a microphone for her. You can probably yell in the distance, Laura. Um, Laura's been doing the panelling, so uh, regularly when we introduce the third one and they go quiet, it's because they're doing all the tech stuff in the background. So thank you, Laura, from all of us. For yes, all your thank you very much, Laura. I hope you can come back sometime. <laughs> so today we're continuing the theme of electric vehicles, but from a completely different angle. Electric vehicles en masse present a whole new range of challenges and possibilities. What infrastructure is needed and how do people access and pay for the use of it? Marty Andrews has been on the front line of exploring these options and writing software to capitalise on the possibilities. We also have Russ from Evolution to tell us about some aftermarket charging options. Welcome Marty and Russ, thanks for joining us. Hi. Hi, how are you going? Okay, so if we start with you Marty, you've been putting a lot of thought and effort into electric vehicle infrastructure. How are we going to do that in Australia? How are we going? And how many charging stations are there? Yeah, so there's two problems that electric vehicles bring to the market. One is infrastructure for all of the drivers. How can they find and use it? And when we get to the point where there's uh, lots and lots of cars on the road, probably millions in years to come, how do we manage the electricity that's available to those cars? So ChargeFox is is trying to help solve both of those problems. Firstly, just by helping drivers find charging stations in public and use them and pay for them. And roughly how many charging stations are there? There's many hundreds in Australia, across the country, and we're trying to kind of bring more of those to market uh, every day. Okay, and then there are some proprietary ones like Tesla where uh, people can't use those stations if they're a non-Tesla Yes, yeah, certainly Tesla's leading, uh, has led the charge, no pun intended, <laughs> uh, in the market here, uh, rolling superchargers out nationwide and a whole bunch of what we call destination charges or slower charges as well, uh, but many more of other brands too. Yeah. Marty, you've recently co-founded a business called ChargeFox. Can you tell us what ChargeFox does? Yeah, so ChargeFox is trying to solve both of those problems about infrastructure and managing electricity uh, for the Australian market to start with. The simplest thing for a driver is that ChargeFox provides an app that you can get on your phones to find charging stations in public uh, and use them and pay for them. So it's an easy way for drivers to have an experience to charge their car when they're out and about. So you use the app to do everything, virtually? Yeah, so if you're uh, headed somewhere for a trip, you can use the app to see what charging stations are nearby uh, in the place that you're heading to. You might want to stop and charge while you're going for a holiday or to do your shopping. And when you get there, you can find the station, plug your car in, use the app to start and stop the charging session, and you might need to pay for it. So you can pay through the app via your credit card as well. Oh, great. 
And does it also tell you if someone else is using the charging station? Yes, you can see for the charging station that you're heading to, you can see that if it's in use or not. It's very common for there to be many charging stations at a single location. So it's, it's usually fine to get one that's going to be available where you're going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, and y- your f- company started fairly recently, so I presume there's not too many charging stations available at the moment? Yeah, we've only been going uh, a few months, but we've got nearly 100 available today and we're trying to bring one online uh, about every day at the moment. I, th- wow. I think we're the fastest kind of growing network in the country right now, but still only you know a few months old uh, So and hoping to keep that pace going for some time to come. So there are others doing this sort of thing. So we've got our free enterprise competitor thing. Mm. Is a charge station either one brand or another? It, it's, it's Chargefox or someone else? So Chargefox doesn't own the charging stations for the most part. That's usually... In terms of access to it? In terms of access to it, it can be via a Chargefox app. There are many that are actually set up as free. Some some businesses will install them and just Mm. allow you to plug in. It can be harder to find those if if they're not available on an app. Or there is a service called PlugShare, which is is kind of a community service that just shows every Mm. station in the country available. Yeah, sort but of crowdsourcing where individual drivers put in the information that's exactly right. here, which works yeah. well. But if you want to use it and pay for it, it'll, it tends to be one brand or another, so either Chargefox or Tesla or, a, or another third party. So when you said um, you don't supply the hardware, mm. how does this typical work, typically work? Does the um, owner buy the hardware and pay for the electricity and, and they're doing that as a point of difference? Or Yeah, so most of our customers are... Um, companies or organizations that want to attract patronage so they're a restaurant or a shopping center or a local council trying to provide a service uh, and they're trying they're trying to bring drivers to the locations where their charging stations are Um, people tend to stay a bit longer or go somewhere they otherwise wouldn't go if there's a charging station there so the uh, the owners of the charging stations will pay for it to be installed and then they'll ask chargefox to manage it so that drivers can find it on their app and use it so once the the ownership is handed over, um, ChargeFox would s- still support it or the uh, the installer would still support it? The ChargeFox will support it from the driver's point of view. So if a driver finds a charging station and there's something wrong with it, they're having difficulty using it, they can contact us directly whilst they're using it and we'll try and help with them. And we have contact back with the owner of the charging station. Sometimes that falls back to there's literally a hardware fault or an electrical fault uh, and the owner of the charging station can engage someone of their own accord or they can go via us and we'll connect them with someone that can come out and physically check it. The reason I'm asking is because I've gone to ch- different charging stations and some of them just don't work and no one seems to know how to fix that problem. Yeah, so that's part of how ChargeFox got started in Australia is uh, there are many international players, I guess, that are very focused on what's happening in Europe and the US and the UK. Uh, but haven't really paid much attention to Australia. So there are people who've installed and tried to use imported software, uh, but had really poor support locally. So one of the points of difference for us is that we've got boots on the ground here in Australia. You can call us at, you know, at the times that people are using it and we'll answer the phone and we can come and see you face-to-face, which the international players can't do. For listeners that haven't seen these charging stations or haven't noticed them, 
they're typically just like a, a baby petrol pump or even just a box on a pillar in a shopping centre or something, aren't they? Yeah, that's right. So the box kind of the size of a small speaker. There's a cable. Sometimes there's a cable hanging off it like a petrol pump. Sometimes mm. there's just a socket. Yeah, and I want to get to that. Too. Yeah, so people can bring their own cables in that And situation. how long do you typically need to be there? It depends on how high-powered the station is. Most people are just doing what, they, what we would call top-up charges. So... Because there's electricity everywhere, people tend to charge every day. The average Australian drives about 22 kilometres a day. Uh, on a destination charger, you could fill that up in an hour. That'd be that'd be kind of fine. Um, could you just explain what a destination charger is? Yeah, so a destination charger is... The industry talks about journey charging versus destination charging. So destination charging means you've gone somewhere and you're stopping there for a while. It's a destination. So you've gone there to do your shopping or to have lunch or to be on a holiday... So you don't need to charge very quickly. The reasoning around that is that um, you're topping up the the range that you've just used going to that destination charge, and it's very different to, for example, a supercharging where you want to get a full charge within 20 minutes. A different philosophy completely. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's it. That's exactly what destination charging mm-hmm. means. So the availability of stations um, does ChargeFox indicate this um, with the current number of EVs on the road and the availability of charging stations is not an issue, but what about in the future? Does Chargebox uh, plan to provide booking for stations or anything like that? Yeah, it's a pretty commonly asked question. So today, because there's so few EVs and really they're very much early adopters and they know where things are, uh, utilisation of stations really isn't a problem. There's normally one available, but certainly in the future when there's um, many, many cars, perhaps millions, we'll need to uh, have many more chargers the ability to book is a oft-requested feature that uh, will come sometime in the future and we'll have to have more charges per car mm-hmm. as well. Um, I don't know who would be best to answer this, Russ or Marty. Do either of you know about any modelling for the ideal proportion of charging stations to the number of EVs on the road? Yeah, flowing straight off from what you just said. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I've seen quoted numbers in Norway. So Norway's kind of seen as really the leader in the world on this they have 60% of new registrations last year were electric vehicles. Yeah, incredible numbers. Before, already 30% penetration of electric vehicles. Yeah, compared to 0.1% in Australia. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's an incredible contrast. Um, so that they talk about, their, their government talks about uh, one charger for every 10 EVs on the road, one public charger for every 10. That's kind of an, that's, as, that's an aspirational number. That they. That, that um, sounds an extraordinary number. But I suppose incredibly you're talking about just, um, it, it's not... Like we think of a big petrol station, it's just a, a, a tiny box at the end of the parking lot out the front of your cafe or something, isn't yeah, it? That's right, and, and electricity is so pervasive. Electricity is kind of everywhere. You don't need to build a big tank in the ground to have a charging station. Mm. It, can, it can literally be on the on the street the same as parking stations are. And the reality is the majority of EV owners charge at home. So it's a different philosophy, again, that you need as many... Uh, petrol stations as you, as you do uh, charging stations. That's a very so, good point. But I assume Marty was talking about public stations, not counting mm. the Oh, for sure. sure. Yeah. No, but it is a, a good point, isn't it? Because, you know, when people ask me how long does it take to charge my car, I say 15 seconds because I just plug it in and then go to sleep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a totally different uh, philosophy, right? And um, I, guess the, I guess the other thing is that the vast majority of people, you're not charging from zero to full charge. Again, you just topping up the electricity that you've just used going to that journey so yeah. very mm. rarely do you wait do EV owners typically in my experience wait for their car to go to zero mm. uh, uh, before they plug in and charge mm. 
Yeah, so, that's right. Russ, coming to you, this is sounding to me like Betamax and VHS all over again. There are different brands of charging stations, notably, notably Tesla and the others, but even within the others, there's subcategories. There's different connectors, different charge rates, even within the same connector, and with and without cables and different authorizations. So, can you give us a brief rundown? It sounds a mess. Wow. Uh, okay, where do I start? Uh, so, broadly, if you've just bought an EV, then, well, first of all, you will know which connector is in your car because mm-hmm. the dealer will hopefully have told you. <laughs> but the, rea- the reality is, yes, there's a number of different uh, charging stations and charging types available, but fortunately, there's an adapter for just about every charging station that's out there as well. So, if you, for example, if you've got an i3, mm-hmm. then you can charge it you know, th- from the Queensland uh, superhighway. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can charge in Adelaide, you can charge in Melbourne, and just about every charging station there is. You just need to make sure you've got the cable that that will connect your car to that charging station. Uh, there's broadly three to four types of connectors, but again, if you know what you've got, then you know which charging station adapter you need to, uh, you need to connect to. It's pretty straightforward once you, once you get into And that's into where it. your business comes in. You- yeah, no, absolutely. And we, we spend a lot of time um, educating new EV owners uh, uh, in terms of what they need uh, to, to connect to their car and keep it topped up. So, for example, the Queensland Superhighway, um, very interesting over the last few months where we had a, a multitude of customers ringing us and saying, well, I've got this particular car. I want to be able to charge from uh, the charging stations in, in, uh, in Queensland. And, um, and we obviously provided them the right cable for those, for those uh, charging stations. Interestingly, with... Um, uh, some of these, uh, the, 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 the new standard for Australia is that there's no cables within the, on the charging stations. Oh. So it's actually what's called a universal charger. So you bring your own cable to suit your car and suit the charger. Uh, so that actually helps from a, um, I guess, liability perspective. In that there's no mm. cables to coil or trip mm. over or be damaged or what have you. Mm. When you say new standard, is it literally a standard or just a de facto? It's become de facto pretty much over the last few months in terms of universal is kind of the way to go. It's, it seems to suit a lot of people, uh, a lot of a lot of companies and, and councils, etc., to not have a cable at all. It's just a socket on a wall and you bring your cable to suit your car, essentially. If you've just tuned in, we're talking to Marty Andrews from ChargeFox and Russ Shepherd from Evolution. So talking about that, um, I presume, Marty, your app would actually show the type of connection points at each charging station? Yes, that's obviously a a pretty important scenario. So we show the plug types on all of the charge stations that that you can find and you can try and find a a plug that's appropriate to your car. Mm. Yeah, no good just making it there and finding it's the wrong sort, is it? Mm, Correct. So at the moment, when I go to a charging station, there's a certain type of plug, certain type of connector there, and if I don't have that, then I'm in trouble. And I must admit, often I get caught out because I don't think about it too deeply. <laughs> but what you're saying, Russ, is that now you have to bring your own adapter along or for each it's one. It's fast becoming the, the standard, but it's not. But it's not. It's not universal. So, yeah. for example, your car is broadly, like I say, three or four types. Your car, I believe, has what's called a Type One. Uh, connector, so I presume with with Marty's app that you can actually filter on those stations that have that particular connector. So you can just rock up to one of those stations, just plug straight in, uh, which is fabulous. And then for those that have the different connector, then obviously you'll need an adapter to connect your car into. We we will have a scenario where um, the fast chargers, especially if we get to superchargers, 
they will have to have cables built in because they, yeah. they literally end up liquid cooling the cables. Yeah. You, can't, you, you can't have one of those as an adapter. When you're dumping 50 kilowatt, kilowatt yeah. sorry, what through it. Yeah, That's right. So there, there will still be scenarios where they will have certain plugs on it and you'll need to know. Yeah. So, Russ, you exhibited at the um, EV show in Melbourne last week, which was highly successful, had a 50% increase in turnover yep. at the new location. And I heard you comment that you were um, very surprised and delighted at the unexpected interest from corporate world in your products. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, from from all walks of the corporate world, I guess, really. So we had um, everyone from small businesses to uh, the, the likes of uh, dealers uh, and, and councils, etc., who were interested to understand how they can um, uh, get involved, support the industry, uh, and obviously... Uh, uh, Create a point of difference for their for their locations as well, uh, and obviously interested in the cost too in terms of how they can uh, how can they, how they can best fund the installations of uh, charging stations at, at their locations. So very, very encouraging indeed. With Tesla, I'm I'm not able to charge at a Tesla charging station. Yeah, not exactly <laughs> accurate. Um, so from superchargers, absolutely absolutely not. You can't charge from superchargers at the moment. Um, but there is an adapter on the market that will allow you to charge from a Tesla destination charger. Now, that's oh. considered to be somewhat controversial because um, Tesla fund these chargers uh, typically in these in these destinations, so wineries and shopping centres and all this kind of stuff. So there's an argument that um, because Tesla and their shareholders have, have, have bought these chargers, then no one else should be able to charge from them. So that, that's an interesting argument, but like I said, there is a product that on the market which will allow you to charge. And, and there's, a, there's a couple of, of video loggers that have um, explored the, the, the notion of charging from these, these, these places, and um, generally the, the, the consensus is that it's kind of okay as long as you seek permission from, from the premises. Uh, because although Tesla's installed the charger, the premises is paying for the electricity. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and the reality is, uh, if you go onto, uh, say, Marty's app or one of the other, you know, other apps are all available, then you'll be able to uh, look at the, the charging stations that are available in a particular location. If you add on to it, then Tesla, then mm. it pretty much doubles the amount Makes of... A big mm. It doubles, and, and um, uh, just a, a props to Andreas uh, in, in Queensland, who runs the Unplugged EV channel he 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 uh, has done a similar similar example in brisbane where he's uh, filtered on uh, the charges that he's native to his outlander PHEV when he adds in uh, tesla then it pretty much doubles uh, yeah. the, the, the opportunity and, and that's been a beef of mine all the time that um, tesla cars can charge at non tesla stations but not the other way around so it is a bit of an issue so fantastic that yeah there I, is a I, I think it's i think it's as long as it's uh, handled sensitively I, I don't think there should be an issue and ultimately our friend Elon Musk wants you know uh, cars to be you know electric cars to be uh, picked up uh, sooner rather than later so this kind of helps things along. Well, is, is there a risk with this adapter cable that Tesla will come along and change the software codes that that your adapter cable knows about and say no longer works? Uh, I, look there's always a risk of that Ab- absolutely um, but uh, you know they, I think it would be pretty spiteful to be able to to do that really um but no it's it's an, look at it it's a controversial and i'm sure there's plenty of listeners who would have something to say about this mm. um mm. but uh, you know it's like i say it's uh, something that uh, is to be discussed 
So, Marty, charge fox, can that be easily transferred overseas? I mean, we've discussed a bit, a bit about um, different scenarios here in Australia. How would it work overseas? Yeah, absolutely. The uh, ability to control a, an internet-connected charging station can translate anywhere. There's actually an industry standard on how to talk to that. So we talk to many different brands of hardware and the software can can go anywhere where the hard, where the hardware exists. That's excellent. That's really yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And these are there any other products like yours in the market? There are some. They're they're typically there's there's quite a few that are based in Europe and the UK and the US. There there are players that are focused over there on what's going on. So one of the real points of difference for us is just being local and being able to support Australian businesses. Excuse me. We are managing stations in New Zealand already, if you want to call that global. Um, well, the data yeah. globalisation. It's a start. It's, it's an, an international business, sure. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I know of one major player in the field. It would seem an uphill battle for you as a, a little a startup to battle against them. Yeah, it is in the global sphere, but Australia is tiny in terms of the global market, mm-hmm. but still a very big market unto itself. We're talking mm-hmm. about millions of cars coming to Australia. Even in Australia, how can you expect to compete with them? G- getting started before they do, I guess, first of all, uh, but really a lot of Chargefox's business is not just about the drivers. We also do things for the people who own the charging stations as well in terms of demand demand for electricity. That's very topical in the news in Australia of recent. We see all sorts of news articles about the grid going up and down and big batteries in, in Adelaide. Uh, so Chargefox does a lot in terms of managing the electricity behind the back end. Okay, so there's other aspects to your product tell us about that absolutely so there's a few different things that we do uh, a good example is in a in a high-rise building where someone wants to put in many many charges in their basement the building probably just doesn't have enough capacity on the switchboard yes. to have them all turned mm-hmm. on simultaneously so we do things like balance the load between them in various ways we're working with do you do that dynamically like if mm-hmm. it suddenly doubles the number of people charging do you average it down then yeah, we, there's a couple of different ways we can do it. We can average it down or we can get them to take turns. Mm-hmm. Uh, so both of those things are possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also starting to work with some of the big energy companies about understanding how people use energy at home. You can imagine that scenario in the middle of, in the middle of summer when there's millions of electric cars on the road. Everyone comes home from work, they turn on their air conditioning and they plug in their electric car. There's just not enough power in the grid at that time to be able to manage all that electricity. So we're working with the energy retailers to understand how can we defer the charging of the car to a bit later at night when the demand on the grid is not so high. Yeah, it's a, it's a common uh, question, actually a repeated question all the way through the EV Expo on Sunday. Uh, what are you going to do when all the cars, uh, you know, everyone converts to electric cars and everyone plugs in at the same time, the grid won't be able to cope. And So it's a valid question, but obviously companies like Martus are, are working on that solution. Well, the head of AEMO has stressed how um, demand management is actually just as much a product that, that we hadn't recognised up to now as, as supply management. So you're in that field. Yeah, absolutely, yes. And I know the new Nissan Leaf has a protocol to allow it to um, give its battery up to whoever wants it. Um, does that? Would your software be able to tap into that and, and manage that? Yeah, that's a really interesting scenario. It was great to see Nissan 
actually advertising to say you can make money from your car by selling the electricity back into the grid. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's certainly possible in, in the future. There's The car manufacturers are starting to talk about vehicle to grid. Nissan are leading the path a little bit on that. The charging stations need to be capable of doing that too. So we're working with the car manufacturers and the charging station manufacturers to understand how we'll be able to do that too to sell the electricity back into the grid or to just use it to charge your house, for example. So you're talking about building management, electrical load management. Are there additional loads on the grid and being able to give access to all that extra battery storage for to help smoothing out peaks and troughs in energy production and demand? That's certainly possible. Just as a bit of context, the, the car is by far the biggest appliance in your house. Mm. And the battery inside it is enormous. You could you could probably power your your house for up to nearly a week on the on the amount of electricity that's in a car battery. So there's lots of potential there. Not on ours; it's a little twenty kilowatt hour, but that's the <laughs> yeah. baby battery. 20, yeah. twenty kilowatt hour battery is still bigger than a Tesla Powerwall, mm. for example. Mm. So you can, yes, yeah, twice as big normally. Yes. Uh, uh, so what, last question, heading to the future. What about autonomous vehicles? What time horizon? Robotic and wireless charging, just quickly. So I think autonomous vehicles will hit probably mid-2030s. Uh, I think I think they will definitely be electric when they come. And the we want to be in the game when charging comes. There's a bit of a debate about whether the charging will be robotic arms or wireless charging pads. Certainly both of those things are being explored uh, and they're on a horizon for the future too. Great. Well, we're out of time. Thank you so much, Marty and Russ. Marty yeah, thanks, from ChargeFox and Russ from Evolution. Where can our listeners find out more, Marty? Yeah, thanks for having us. So they can find out more on our website at chargefox.com or download the apps from the Apple Play Store or Google Play Store and just by searching for ChargeFox. ChargeFox. And Russ? Uh, same for us, evolutionaustralia.com.au. Uh, navigate to there. There's a heap of articles around um, charging, etc. So uh, Great. Go, go thanks, Russ. Thank you very much, both of you. The Beyond Zero show is brought to you by the Climate Change Solutions think tank Beyond Zero Emissions and is recorded in the studios of 3CR Melbourne and syndicated around Australia on the Community Radio Network. If you want to listen to this show or any of the others we've done, you can go to bze.org.au and click on podcasts. If you enjoy the program and can donate, please go to the website and click on the donate button. Thanks for listening and hope to see you again next week. Beyond Zero Emissions is an internationally recognised climate solutions think tank that is focused on solutions, not problems. Become part of the solution by becoming a monthly base load supporter. Go to www.bze.org.au to find out more. bze.org.au You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.